You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. In this, part two of the podcast with music video and film director Jonas Ockerland, he talks about his films, including The Wonderful Lords of Chaos. But first, we kick off where part one ended, with Jonas explaining how it is to work with some of the greatest artists in the world. Do they know when they're going to work with you that you are always going to bring, and I, I really don't know if you like this word because I keep using it, but I don't know what other word to use, your brand, your you know, fast editing style, you're going to bring this into, into their work so they already know that, or is this part of a discussion that happens with everyone? I think you, people you bring know. what you want in as well, don't you? It's not just what they want. You bring you. You can see a Jonas Ockerlund video, really. I mean, there's certain well, elements that you can identify. Well, uh, thank you. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> but but yes and no. I think I think there's I think that when an artist wants to work with me, they know that I uh, pull that I take them a little bit outside their comfort zone. You know, because if they want their average, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but if they want their average performance video or average, you know, uh, whatever is on top of the list, it's I think they're I'm not their guy. You know, but if they want to do something that pushes uh, whatever direction it's it's pushed in, I think I'm their guy. And I think they know that. I think they've been around long enough and know my work well enough to know that that's when they call me. But I also know that some artists like to take me out of my comfort zone, you know, and, and that happened. <sighs> I have a moment in my career where, where I took, where I said yes to something that I, I wasn't expecting myself to say yes to that brought me into another uh, mindset. Or if you may say when in the beginning, when I started to work in America, I was very careful and I was very snobbish. I said no to, to stuff based on, what I thought was good or what I thought was cool or, you know, it was the nineties. Like, and then I remember saying yes to Christina Aguilera's beautiful, which was definitely out of my comfort zone. It was, it was something that I never thought I could do. She really wanted me. We had a great meeting. We connected with an idea and that video brought me uh, creatively to a new level. It's like, and it's almost like from that point, I prefer to say yes to stuff that doesn't necessarily are my, you know, when I work with like Sabbath and Metallica, it makes me nervous because I'm also a fan, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of loosen stuff up a little bit while working with other artists. And there's so much good music and so many great artists out there. So, you know. What do the formats of pop video and film have in common for you? Uh well, not much on one hand, but uh, but today, uh, I think the 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 and I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not a film I haven't gone to film school and I could never teach film, but you know there's a, a specific way of how we tell stories in music videos that are now very common in movies, you know the the type of editing with the wide shots and the quick cuts to the macros to the sound effects and all that that you now see. In movies, uh, we started with in music videos. So it's kind of like the, the way of telling stories has translated into to movies. Uh, while it's, while sometimes we in music videos pick up, you know, I've done music videos with dialogue and like almost the shape of like 
you know, if you take uh, Lady Gaga telephone, that could be 15 minutes out of a movie. If you think about it, like that could be 15. If they was just like another hour long, it could be a movie, you know? <laughs> so there's like, they're kind of like, uh, as time goes, uh, it kind of they start to cross over more and more. I mean, in the early 80s, when you first were watching or could watch music videos um, because of uh, maybe MTV America, and you said you watched it in hotel rooms and so on. And uh, when MTV Europe came to um, Sweden in uh, 87, I think it was, then um, those first video directors were often film directors who then directed videos. Then there was a wave of video directors who then later became film directors. Right. Um, you've often talked about how uh, the power of MTV affected um, the creative input that you've been able to have in, in pop video, that it was a lot freer mm. uh, in the beginning and the power mm. of MTV changed. Can you explain that, uh, what you mean by that? And, and also the impact on you of those first videos that were made by film directors? Mm -hmm. uh, of course. I mean, I mean, the whole, uh, uh, you know, I love those early, early, mo uh, early movie directors turning into music video directors. They're so ambitious and so great. And I think I appreciate them now more than ever, actually. I really enjoy those. But when people that I looked up to started to make music videos uh, they were partly from movies but most of them actually came from fashion you know Jean Paul Good was like you know one of the reasons I started and Mondino uh, you know and then some Americans like Joe Putka you know and the English Tony Kay you know like all those they were my uh, the guys I looked up to and eventually you know Fincher and Michael Bay and all those guys came around and they made it look so easy just trans transforming what they were good at into to movies. When I came to America, everybody was like, when are you going to do your first movie? And I had not in my wildest fantasy ever thought that I would do a movie. And being late bloomer, as I always been, I kind of rejected it for a few years. Then I made a small independent movie. I was offered big action movies, but I made, I made uh, my first movie Spawn, which was like more of a independent kind like in the movie and I like I said I am a late bloomer not until now 56 years old do I feel comfortable writing making movies so I'm actually very happy I didn't do it earlier as many directors uh, on my level did um, and on the MTV thing it was like I'm sure you know this Steve and and you were part of it but in the beginning MTV was such a playful platform and my brief was always do something different, do something that's never been done before, uh, do something that touched the audience, grabbed the audience, do something crazy. And we did, we did. I think everybody did in the beginning. And then I think mostly because I worked so much in America, Sweden was happening with, uh, with local TV stations and, and music videos and England was happening too with great directors and all that. But eventually in America, it became, you remember the show TRL, which that I see that as the death of <laughs> the creative music videos, because what happened was that the, the, the record labels who 
didn't really know anything about marketing. They pretend that they were no, they, they were like advertising agencies. They were starting to, the brief became like, whatever is on the top five on TRL, that's the kind of video we want. So it just became like, you know, uh, they started to cut your, to your songs. They started to like, they faded down before the video was done i even had a moment where they approved my treatments when the labels send the treatments to mtv asking if they were okay with it and i got notes you know so to me that was the death of it and uh, and again uh, that was another moment where i felt like i'm done with music videos and then i got the call from lady gaga and she was the first artist that i ever met who said fuck mtv we don't need them we can go YouTube, we can go social, we, we don't need them. So out of that came, you know, so much creativity and the format became long and she, we did like all this like best stuff out of that. And I think if it wasn't for her, uh, I think I would have given up on music videos right around that time. I mean, there's a bit to unpack there, I think. But the, <laughs> the Spun, which I love, I mean, the editing in Spun and the, the visual image of Spun is, is, is an incredible... Um, start to, to your movie career. What's I found out today, because I was just looking up and I thought, oh, I must do a bit of research, more research into your wife. Oh. <laughs> and she's done it. She it was interviewed on a podcast called MILF um, and <laughs> B. Ockerland. And yeah. uh, she met you on Spun because you were looking for a stylist. And she says that she turned up with her portfolio and you didn't take a look at it and you went, you've got the job. <laughs> <laughs> was well, it love at first sight? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. It, it was actually, at least from my end. But uh, that's not why she gave. That's not why I gave her the job. I just felt very confident with her. But she was. She the the, the part of this story was that Mickey Rourke was in Spawn, and Mickey was uh, like saying yes to do the movie, but he wanted his costume designer, and that turned out to be B. Uh, I I had the worst fantasy of Mickey's costume designer showing up being some, you know, monster. And in walks B. Uh, B started to work very young, so she had all this experience, but she was uh, much younger than me. But she had already done like three movies with Mickey, and she had done movies, and her portfolio was just filled with like you know Rolling Stone covers. And Manson was happening, and she knew Manson. It's like I was like blown away by somebody being so experienced and so good and and spawn was like spawn was spontaneous it was it was literally like all these big offers came in on big action movies and i i was basically i had much more attitude back then than than, uh, than i do now so i was basically fuck you guys i'm not going to do your big movies i'm going to do this little movie <laughs> with my friends and the casting came easy i was like just listing the the favorite actors at the time. And they all said, yes, I didn't realize that it's much harder in real life than it was back then. So, and I connected to the script. The script was good. You know, it's written by this guy who was basically homeless and it was based on his life story. And, you know, so that's how I met B. And, and from that point, we've been, uh, you know, working on and off up till today. I mean, it does feel like you have a very strong working partnership as well as a partnership, obviously, but you have a very strong working partnership um, throughout your career because there's, there, it's always crossing. You know, you're always 
seem to be working together, then maybe separately, then together again, and so on and so forth. Yeah. What do you think, and I don't mean this on a personal level, I mean on a professional level, what do you think she has contributed to your understanding of style? Well, it started already on Spun, and I, I feel like she's, up to this day, I feel like she's a rare, a very rare type of costume designer because, to me, she, she brought... Uh, a very strong fashion sense. She knew what looks cool, what's what's what is cool, but she. But even uh, more than that, she brought so much character to to her designs. You know, for, for where I came from, it was like you either use fashion people or you work with movie people or theater people. Or but she's kind of like combining all those things. And she made my character stronger than I could. She helped me, uh, you know, with, with these details in the wardrobe to make the character stronger. And I think that's that's her strength up to this day. She loves, she loves fashion and she loves design, but she understands character more than any costume designer I ever met. Okay, now to the story, because you mentioned about the, the, the importance of the story when you read it. What do you look for um, in a story, and how do you attach yourself to a story? Uh, you're talking about movies, and, and yeah, talking about comics. movies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm drawn to I'm drawn to real life stories. Uh, I'm drawn to dark comedy. I would say, uh, I, I kind of it's easier for me to know what I don't want to do than to answer what I want to do. Uh, but I kind of always, you know, and it's it's very clear now with the series I just did that where I got a chance to kind of like put everything I like into one one series, you know, like strong characters, a serious undertone, but a lot of dark humor. Um, so that's kind of what I always look for. But you'll be surprised, Steve, that finding stories is not the hard thing for me. I actually have a long list of, of dream projects. The hardest thing as a filmmaker is to get stuff done. And and uh, and it's almost like, actually, Johan Renk told me the other day, he said, it's not important what you do anymore. It's important who you do it with. You know, it's really, really hard to find good partners and, and uh, to get stuff done in the right way, you know, and especially on the independent level where I, where I, where I feel comfortable. It's hard to get stuff done, you know, like Lords of Chaos took me 15, 20 years to get going, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's also in the, a little bit in the nature of the jobs and the stories I'm drawn to. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Now to go on to Lady Gaga, because of paparazzi, you mentioned that uh, that video. And that video has everything in it. I mean, <laughs> it has female <laughs> empowerment, in a sense, because there's this um, woman who's killed by Alexander Skarsgård, <laughs> or pushed, <laughs> not killed, pushed, and then she's uh, crippled and in, in a wheelchair. But then she has her moment uh, at, at, at the end of the, the video. And it has this, there's lots of other elements in there. There's this Hitchcockian fall, where she falls yeah. down and it has this spiral yeah, yeah, yeah. going, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> vertigo type idea. And yeah. there's there's loads of things in there. And there's one thing in it that really interested me that 
Um, and I've always remembered this at the beginning when Lady Gaga speaks a little bit of Swedish to Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. And they communicate in Swedish. Now, the Swedes that I've known in my life are very much a community when they're somewhere else in the world. They do sort of hang together. Um, yeah. And, and that's been an important thing to you. Now, I know your wife went to Sweden when she was something like, uh, sorry, she went to America when she was about 14, but yeah. she's originally Swedish. The yeah. people that you know that you've worked with, that you've had around you, you made Alexander Skarsgård's career grow <laughs> because of that video. I mean, he, you know, he's become one of the great actors, but it started in that, um, in that video. How important is the community of Swedes uh, to a Swedish person outside Sweden? Well, I mean, for, for starters, when I started to work in America, there wasn't, it was basically me, uh, Peter Stormer, and, and, and maybe Stellan Skarsgård was around there, but, and Lasse Hallstrom, it wasn't uh, like now there's like hundreds of Swedish people working there. But uh, I kind of always felt like I was a little bit outside that, you know, because I know that Swedes kind of like hang together in LA and they be are creative together, but I was kind of like, I never felt like I was in part of that group, but I do have my long relationship. Like my DP that I work with, we worked together for 35 years, you know, and I do have, you know, my crew are not as many Swedes now as they used to be, but they're still very long relationships. And I have a home in Sweden. I always go back to Sweden and we look out for each other, you know, and the Alexander thing was, I'm sure he would have done, perfectly well without me but you know it was it was uh, the timing of him saying yes to that video was just great you know um and i knew because i knew him and i know he was perfect for it he looked apart and he was perfect the swedish dialogue though was improvised on the day that was never part of the plan they were going to have that dialogue and then he started to teach her some swedish and i said let's shoot it in swedish and we did and subtitled it and she she did a pretty good job it, sound, it sounds very good. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything Lady Gaga can't do, is there, really? Why, what makes her so um, special? I mean, she is the phenomena of our age um, yeah. and proving herself in so many different areas now. What, what do you think it is about Lady Gaga that makes her absolutely special and different and unique? I, I don't know. I, it has to be, you know... Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have met a few people in my life that has that ultimate integrity and ultimate creative creativity uh, that just comes from within. You know, I think that she's part of that small group of artists that I met that doesn't really look over your shoulder, doesn't really bother you what other things are, what other people do. And when it just comes from within, it just pours out of her hands. You know, obviously, musically, she's a genius. She can sing and she can play instruments and all that stuff but just like all oh, her head is just amazing it's like you know you can have diet you know all the videos we've done she's talking and i'm trying to filter everything she's saying you know it's like because it's just boiling over with creativity you know which is pretty cool how do you think someone stays like that um at that level and in essence it's the same question to you because in order to stay creatively at, at the top of your game, you have to also have a lot of input, I presume, into your yeah. life to be able to have, you know, to keep that level. Is that what Lady Gaga does? Has she got an incredible amount of input? Have you got an incredible amount of input? Are you constantly 
you know, reading, watching things, being aware of what's going on? Uh, I, I couldn't speak for her, but I, know, I do know that we live lives where we are fortunate enough to travel a lot and meet a lot of people and do see a lot, you know, so there's always, there, there's a natural intake. I don't have to search for it. It just happens. Uh, but I do know for myself that I've gone through periods where I pick up inspiration from different things. You know, I take a lot of pride in that. I've never kind of like ripped people off for stole any ideas. Uh, but I do know that I've gone through, especially the first few years of my career, I was very influenced by the fashion world. I, I, I knew it. And I, 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 I was, I loved everything fashion and then advertising became a big thing and music, obviously. And I like all those things that I remember I don't know exactly when, but it was sometimes, sometime back, I just started to go back more to myself, you know, and, and pick more inspiration from my own life and from my own experiences, which is kind of like a bold thing to do. I didn't realize when it happened, but, but it did happen. And now I feel like everything I do comes from it within because I'm not, I'm not as uh, aware of what's going on in the world and I, I used to see everything and now I'm kind of like a little bit more in my bubble uh, and that's that's good for my writing you know and when I write my movies I feel like it's good for me to kind of like be in this bubble but it's hard when I'm should be uh, when I'm trying to write music videos because I have no idea what people are doing I haven't done music videos now in a while but I'm trying I'm, I was planning to get back into it but I don't know really how at this point I think one thing that's interesting is that you said before about um, that power of MTV in terms of sort of stopping the creativity, particularly your creativity uh, in that era. And then along comes YouTube and it ends. But now you work in film and film is a collaborative medium. It's a medium that's very expensive, high risk. And yeah. it also has levels of decision making. So how does creative freedom look? in the film world in comparison to the video yeah. world? Well, I mean, it's it's no secret that there is no creative freedom in, in filmmaking. It's just too many people involved and too much at risk. And there's always a boss. You know, there's always, you know, uh, very, very few directors have uh, a, what we call final cut, you know. But it, again, it's I come back to what I said before. It's it's it you have to be on the same page and you have to work with the right people, you know, because, and half my job, more than half of my job is to figure out what the people that pay me to do my job, what they, what, what they want and what they understand. So they understand what I do. So we're on the same page, you know, I've done jobs where we're not on the same page and it's a disaster, you know, so it's all about communicating and just trying to, you know, find partners that are on the same page as you. If you if you do that, then you could then you could have a lot of creative freedom. But it is I always have somebody to report back to. Always. I I mean maybe I didn't when I did the hidden. You know, but uh, I've done over a thousand jobs, and I there's always somebody that I need to get an approval from uh, on my stuff. And that's just in the nature of filmmaking. <laughs> it's really the worst. It's really the worst creative job you can have, actually, you know, because you don't really own anything. Uh, you, there's always somebody else owning it. And you're always 
kind of looked over by somebody. But if you're lucky enough to work with artists that I worked with and financiers that trust you, then you can make match. Then it could be magical. I want to ask you something from a writer's perspective because you've mentioned it as well that um, as a writer, you're dealing with your own issues always. You know, there are themes in your own life which you are dealing with and, and regurgitating in a sense, and you are finding more about yourself, but you are also overcoming some of the trauma in your own life. Has, has that been the process for you recently? Because you said um, that that has been part of it, actually being in this bubble and looking at, at your own life. Have you able, and I, I say trauma loosely because we all have, certain right. traumas in our life that we're that, that we're dealing with um and have you been able to sort of deal with things in your life through your creativity um i'm talking about the writing yes i think so i mean the, nothing has been <laughs> when i deal with my traumas or whatever you want to call them uh that's never been uh going into production <laughs> that's in my drawer <laughs> but but i do but the, the series i just did for netflix which is basically sweden from the 40s up till the 80s uh i took advantage of my own experiences a lot like like every day uh and i was writing six hours of of, of uh drama so it's like a lot of writing but every day uh, and every scene basically have something from my own experiences, something from my own life. The dialogue, it's very much how I spoke with my friends back in the 70s and the 80s. There was like, uh, for the first time, I wrote in Swedish, which I have never done before, which scared me in the beginning. But then I realized I had this huge source of, of knowledge that I could never have in America. I could have a, a, an outsider's perspective in America, which is very useful but here in sweden i had like all the insights and the references for details that i can never have in america so yes and no i mean but i don't know i sometimes close friends to me have asked me if, if how i feel when i release something dark or uh you know you must be very happy now when something is very happy but i don't feel like it, my work is a reflects where I am at the moment in my life. I really don't feel like that. You know, my, my, my ideas are always based on analyzing uh, my clients, sort of say, like, you know, what is this? What is it for? What did you do before? And when is it coming out? How are people going to see it? It's always, and I think that's my commercial background that, you know, forces me to create a reason for what I do. But movies is different, you know, and I love writing. I started late because I'm dyslectic and I always had, I never thought I could write. Uh, I realize now that I, I can, and I, I have a lot, I have confidence now. Lords of Chaos was a, a stepping stone for me because I looked for writers and then I was like, I'm just going to do it myself. And it just poured out of my hands. It was like incredible uh, because I had been carrying this story with me so long. Um, so that gave me confidence to to write. Yeah, I, obviously I know my limitations. I'm not, you know, I couldn't write anything, but at least now I have confidence to do it, and I and I love it. Writing is really my main focus right now, actually. Well, Jonas, I want to thank you because you've created so many wonderful things over the years that have contributed to the culture. 
um, some of them generational moments. I think Prodigy's um, Smack My Bitch Up was a, was a generational moment. You know, like when rap music came, then it was like anybody over a certain age wasn't interested and everybody under was. And this sort of generational moment of, of image where it was like every everyone of a, of a certain age or a certain type of thinking loved it. And yeah. then everyone else didn't like it. And I think you've continued to do that in your career and Lords of Chaos that I saw today is uh, a stunning um, wow. film and I, I really really loved it and I think it, it was great so I look forward to everything you contribute in the future <laughs> and um, yeah thank you from the bottom of my heart and as I said in the beginning you're just a warm and very kind open community person and uh, and for me that's probably the most important thing so thank you Jonas Ockerland. Thanks for your kind words. Thank you, Steve. And that's it for this Jonas Ockerlund interview. I'll be bringing more insights into the music world in the coming weeks. So I'll see you soon.